To some, he's Ziggy Stardust. To others, the Thin White Duke. Or Major Tom. But who is David Bowie really? To answer that, we'll have to go off the record. Off the Record is a new music biography podcast. Every season profiles one legendary artist. To start, we'll explore the faces of David Bowie. Each episode tells the story of one of his iconic personas. Together, they form an intimate portrait of the complex cultural giant. Listen and follow Off the Record on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. with a new perspective. News with a black perspective. The Black Information Network is the first all-news audio and digital network for and by the black community. Get the podcast and get the biggest news and business stories delivered to you every morning. Subscribe to the Black Information Network daily and wake up with the latest from the Black Information Network. Loaded and ready to go when you are. Listen to the Black Information Network daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Serious Rap Shit is a production of iHeartRadio. Me and my friend take his rap shit seriously. Yo, 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 yo. Mic check. One, two. Back in effect. Episode 148. Serious Rap Shit Podcast. I'm John, your host. I'm Josh, your other host. And yeah, we, we, we back in the building. How you been, Josh? I'm good. I'm good. Chilling, brother. How you been, man? I've been good. I've been good. A lot of shit's been moving and shaking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's um, a big week for you, brother. Yeah, it's, it's been real cool. Um, For folks who uh, follow me on Twitter, you might have seen I was selected as part of a team that's putting together a book on classic hip hop albums, I think uh, over eleven hundred uh, music journalists applied and pitched for this thing, and I was one of five who were uh, selected. Halfway Books is the publishing company, and I'm going to write a book on the roots. Do you want more? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Which we Philly people, you know what I'm saying? It, it makes perfect fucking sense but um it's crazy too because i wasn't even gonna uh pitch that shit really you know what i mean yeah i i had so much stuff on deck but this was uh i want to say it was the same week it was within a week of malik passing away mm-hmm. um and do you want more as a record that i've like studied i was i was waiting for it before it came out you know what yeah. i mean um so i really I was like, you know what? I was writing something when I saw the pitch. You yeah. know what I mean? Or or the call, the open call for submissions. I was writing another thing uh and I was under deadline for another thing. And I was like, you know what? Let me uh put this on ice and let me put together a proposal a yeah. for this thing. Um and yeah. I I sent it in, didn't have no expectations about it and I want to say maybe like a week or so later, they hit me back and let me know that they really liked my pitch. They really um, appreciated that I had like a, a personal perspective as a Philadelphian yeah. about the record. And they were like, yeah, you know, we're going to pay you some money and we want you to do this. It's going to be um, 
there's there's some like dope records that uh, are gonna be part of it. Do you want more? Uh, Biggie, Ready to Die. So yeah, it's it's gonna be like a real cool project. You yeah. know, yeah. Shout out to Shay Sharani, yeah. Yeah, yo, Shay, like uh, he really. I I knew I knew it was going down when I saw uh, his name in my inbox. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Because I really, I really sent this thing with no, uh, with like no attachment or no, you know, uh, expectations yeah. of anything coming out of it. I put on whatever I was writing on hold for a minute, you know, put together the pitch and just, just sent it out. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, yeah, dog. When I saw that shit, I was like super fucking happy for you. Like, I, I, I really like Shay Sharania. Um, he's a contributor over at the Ringer and shit. So, um, I really like a lot of stuff that he does. Um, you know, your stuff is cool. Uh, so, uh, you know, but no, I was like, when I saw that, cause I remember you had first mentioned it to me, like when you were pitching it and like, I just didn't catch it in my head. Like that's who, that's who it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was like, uh, I was like, yo, that's, that's what's up. Like, you know what I mean? That's dope as shit. Like, and it, it fits. You know what I mean? Dog, you were like the first person who told me like, oh no, like do you want more? It's not the Roots first album. Like, you know right, what I mean? Right, right. So like we were kids when you told me that. So like I like I know you know this shit intently, right? So it makes it it makes complete sense. Um and then when I saw it was with Shay, I was like, Oh, that shit is what's like this is like really big time for you. You know what I mean? I got like super fucking happy for you, man. Yeah, yo, it's 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 a good look, you know what I mean? And it's really um, do you want more is one of those records um that has so much uh relation to like the rest of philly music culture mm-hmm. you know what I mean like during that time like that record was made you know around like ninety three ninety four they were putting those songs together, and it was really when uh acid jazz was coming over from England and Philly had its own jazz scene but then it also had like an underground hip hop scene and this this record really came out of uh, a mixture of these like different influences and sounds and and mm-hmm. the the group was you know in a in a particular place you know what I mean I opened my pitch with uh Kurt Cobain's suicide cuz the yeah. roots it, the Roots were signed to Geffen Records at the time, and Kurt Cobain killed himself. And the uh, Roots' late manager, Rich Nichols, rest in peace to Rich, uh, he was paranoid or afraid that uh, Geffen would drop the Roots and, and a bunch of other acts as a, in, in, as kind of like a panic mode kind of thing. So they all packed up and went to Europe before that yeah. record came out, and they kind of camped out in Europe and built their uh, notoriety and their skill as a live act. And then they came back to the U.S. in time to release this record. So there's a whole lot of like context around it. I'm trying to gather up all of the uh, major players on the record. Of course, like Rich and Malik have passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how willing uh, Hub would be to talk about it because he's like beefing with the group and yeah. having like a legal I don't want to say beefing he's like having a legal dispute with the group so I don't know you know if he would be willing to talk uh, but I definitely want to talk to 
Amir and Tariq. I definitely want to talk to Ursula Rucker. You know what I mean? Like David Ivory, who mixed the whole record. If I could get Bob Power, who I think David Ivory recorded it and Bob Power mixed it, if I'm not mistaken. They they were like the principal engineers on the record, if I'm not mistaken. So I want to talk I, to I mean, a real Roots fan would know all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I know, but I don't want to speak. I, I like to speak definitively when I'm like, I know, I'm, dog, I'm, I'm, fucking like, you. Like, I'm looking at the info, but yeah. I know that, like, I know like one dude who's mixed records in <laughs> hip hop. So like, I really like, I want to get like the, um, I wanted to be a mixture of like the people who were involved and in my own thoughts and feelings and analysis of the record. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're going we gonna to see. We're going to see how it turns out. Now, man, I'm, just, I'm really excited for it, man. And I'm really super, like, happy for you, man. Like, this Thank is you, huge. Man. And it's, I, I didn't think see, of no one better for it, y'all. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it after I had sent it in. Uh no, so I like I, I'm just like super fucking excited for you for it and for you, bro. Cause like this shit is huge, man. Yeah, this shit is gonna be dope. I love you know anybody that knows me knows I love uh writing about records. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? So this is like it's like yo, we'll give you money to write about mm-hmm. you know one of your favorite records. It's like there's so much shit like, I I want to write about um Dice Raw being like 15. And freestyling his entire verse yeah. for the, uh, the song, The Lesson. I want to write about uh, the title track, uh, Do You Want More? If you hear like the little like bagpipes in the background. Yeah, that's, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rufus Harley, uh, North Philly-born jazz musician who took up bagpipes and decided he wanted to be the greatest jazz bagpipe player in the world the roots like went and found him mm-hmm. and put him on a record you know what i mean so it's just shit like, like lazy afternoon which is just like the same first three times all the way through like yeah like right. all that shit is like right was different for hip-hop like you know what i mean yeah they broke a lot of uh barriers with that record it was it, at the time it came out it was hands down the best uh, rap record that had ever been made with live instruments, and it wasn't even close. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it was it was just uh, a real like uh, a stew of different influences that they put together. Um, so I'm I'm excited to like dig into into the thing. All of the writers and the editors have our first meeting. Uh, Tuesday. So when this episode this comes, drops, yeah. yeah, when it comes out, we'll have our first uh, meeting with the whole team that's putting this book together, and then I'll get to, you know, get like a clearer idea of like, you know, what we're doing, who I'm working with, yeah. you know, probably some like deadline stuff too. I don't know, but yeah, I'm like, this is what I, you know, this is what I left my nut ass job to do. <laughs> you yeah, know exactly. what I'm saying to do fly shit like this. So I'm like, I'm like overjoyed that yeah. you know, what I mean that they because I be I be feeling ways sometimes when like it be like a non Philly person they get tapped or like write some Philly mm-hmm. hip hop shit. I be I be real like tribal about that shit. No, you know for real. I mean? So I, I, mean, I love that. It. There's there's nothing wrong when you can sit there and you feel like you can do do something better. And you actually have the talent to do it. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? 
This motherfucker's probably be looking at shit I write. Like, man, I, I could have wrote that shit better. You probably could have. Who the fuck knows? Hey, listen, man. You're welcome to try. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome to try. Um, no, man. So I, I'm just like, like I said, man, I'm, I'm super excited for you. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I ain't do shit this week. So, <laughs> like, I, I ain't got nothing to be, like, super excited about or nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. No, nah, I mean, you know, shit, you know, work still continues on a few projects that we're working on. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, like, this shit is huge, though. This shit is super huge. And, like, like I said, man, I don't think there's a better person to do it, to tackle it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, thank you, man. It's, it's you know, we're going to see what it end up being, you know what I'm saying? And then it, it would be really cool if I can get all of the folks that I want to talk to yeah on the line and really get them to like talk about this record and and break it down how it was made yeah definitely definitely that would be amazing um to speak about tackling uh did you see drake's new uh video i did and i love that segue (laughs) professional baby (laughs) that shit is crazy too um what's the song called what's it uh uh, is it like laugh now, cry later, or something like that. Some like it's Drake uh be titling his albums and his songs like some shit a nigga would get for like their first tattoo. Yeah, I definitely had a laugh now, cry later <laughs> tattoo. It's covered up now, but I did have one. Yeah, it's, it's laugh laugh now, cry later featuring Lil Durk. Yeah, like and the album's called like Certified Lover Boy. Oh shit, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So he's like leaning in. Yeah. <laughs> to everything that we thought about him. Yeah, definitely. Um, New record hot, though. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. With Lil Dirt, it's real hot. And um, what I think is like real big for him, for Drake as an artist, right? And why he ma- it makes him so hard to like land an actual hit on um, is he's willing to make fun of himself. Right, right. Um, where a lot of these guys, like, like the whole, it's so much of a bravado, like, you know what I mean? You have to be the super most tough dude in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you saw it with the the Life is Good video where, like, him and Future was, like, doing all these little odds and end jobs. Like, all right. that kind of, it's like, it looks like he's having fun doing what he's doing. Yeah. Um. And that, I think that vibe comes through in the music that he makes. Yeah. This shit is like, you know, it's catchy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you said, it's it's like lighthearted. He got the melodies on deck. He be saying that slick shit. You know, I, and I feel like at this point, you're either in one of two camps. You're either in the camp where you're like, yo, this dude, he don't miss. Or you're mm-hmm. in the camp where you're like, yo, fuck everything this dude makes. Yes, you know, and I it's it's funny too because um, so, I feel like sometimes people who are in the latter camp with any artist, you know what I mean. I I, I had a, a conversation with somebody on Twitter um, a few months ago. They were like, "What's what's the deal with this Rock Marcy guy? I don't I don't think he can rap at all." You know, somebody give me a song. That's that's good, so I can make a decision. I'm like, dog, if you're at that point, you've clearly listened to him. Yes, if exactly. This dude has been like carving out, you know, a unique lane for ten years straight. 
Yeah. He's widely acknowledged as one of the best right now. If you're still grappling with, I don't think Rock Marcy can rap. Nigga, it's no song I'm gonna give you that you're gonna that that's gonna like sway you. You've made your choice, and I feel Absolutely. like it's a similar thing with Drake. Like people are like, uh, "Well, give me give me his best song." Like nigga, you've heard all his best songs exactly. in in the dentist's office, in every party you've ever been to in the past ten fifteen years. You know what I mean? You've heard his best songs. You you've either. You're either in the camp where you're like, man, this dude is like really on a crazy run of good music, or you're in the camp where you're like, yo, fuck this dude, and whatever he does, I'm not gonna like him. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, I mean, it's disingenuous to to be like, you know, it's, prove me wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, nigga, you you've already made up your choice. Yeah, exactly. I'm not gonna convince you. Like, if you didn't like, you know, one dance or. Uh, you know, just Con- hold on. We're going home, or controller, controller, or fucking, uh, you know, trophies, or whatever. Like name, you know what I mean? Name the single. Like if you're not, if you don't like that shit, there's no one who's gonna uh, like convince you otherwise, right? Right. So, How am I gonna sway you? Yeah, you've heard, you've heard like this dude's catalog of hits. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I um I love it. Like I do love the fact that like he just like you know, he has Marshawn Lynch like fucking nailing him. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And like after OBJ throws him a touchdown type shit. Like I love it. Like I, I love that like he's willing to have fun with himself and like that energy, like I said, man, I think that shit comes through in like what he's doing. Yeah. Um and it's a reason why people fuck with him. So Right. Yeah, I love playful rap videos always yes, since me I was too. a kid, you know what I mean? Like I'm thinking Listen. of like the uh the De La Soul video when they were all in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And they were like kids in high school, you know what I mean? It had like a food fight. I love like that playful spirit in rap videos. Yeah, like fucking I love Digital Underground and that was like they whole wave. Right. So do you talk? Do you remember the song? It was mad niggas in it, and it was like, uh, it was like let's close down the crack house or some shit. It was like one of the like positive like message songs. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and like Shock G and Humpty was in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. The uh, niggas like the crack epidemic. You know, it was terrible. We lived through yes. it. You know, it was, it was a horrible thing in popular culture. They legit had niggas like zombies, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like Night of the Living Dead, like Thriller in rap videos. You look at it now, you're like, that's that's not exactly how it was. <laughs> yeah, that's not how exactly it was. <laughs> that shit, what you said, made me when you brought <laughs> Digital Underground, it made me think of that shit. And like, they definitely had like Shock G slash Humpty, and they were like rapping about. I think X Clan was in it. Mm-hmm. They was like, I know, rapping yes. about the crack house. <laughs> Yeah, no, I lived through the '80s, and it definitely wasn't The Walking Dead. So right. it's just yeah. you know, people were strung out on drugs. Yes, it was awful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you know, and he was locking niggas up, and yeah, it was terrible. But it wasn't like the shit you saw on TV. No, not at all. Yeah, um, I think we should uh, hop into a break, um, and then we can hop into our interview this week. Yeah, yeah. Big shout out to Rashid Davis, the homie, uh, runs the blog Freedom John 
We had a really dope uh, conversation with him. And yeah, we're going to jump into a break and we're going to come right back with that. Yep. I'm Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, and it could happen here. And boy, it does seem to be happening here. I'm going to guess most of the people listening to this are deeply concerned with what they saw happen in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And I'm here to tell you it was a fascist insurrection, an attempt by fascists to take over our democracy. And it didn't happen in a historical vacuum. There have been numerous attempts, many of them successful, by fascist movements to take over democracies over the last century. In order to protect yourself, in order to protect your family and your very freedom, you need to understand this history and the history of the different anti-fascist movements that have fought, sometimes successfully, often unsuccessfully, to stop the same things from happening in their own countries. The knowledge of this history is important, and it's maybe the only thing that can save us. So, if you're as concerned as I am, listen to Behind the Insurrections on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, boom, back in effect. So we got a special guest uh, coming in to rock with us and, and chat during this uh, episode. You may know him from the Freedom John Instagram page, one of my favorite uh, follows. We got Rasheed Davis in the house. Give it up. Hey. Word, word. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do the Nori shit, get like the uh, special yeah, effects the, like that. Yeah. Okay. Out effect so, on. The freedom or some shit. You know, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> word, like, uh, how are you? How are you doing today? How are you holding it down? I'm doing good. Can't really complain. Just been in the house. I've been outside once today. It was it wasn't too bad in weather actually. Today's actually kind of a good day, honestly. Having the windows open isn't bad. It isn't letting in too much hot air. So we're having a good day. We're grounded. Nice. Too much heat. It messes with my um, I don't know, my stability. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy because um <laughs> I was doing an interview uh on NPR last week and uh, one of the folks that I work with is white and we were shooting the shit about weather and he was like, Yeah, you know, it's not surprising that I hate the summer. <laughs> so I'm supposed right. to be up in the mountains somewhere. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard a white person say that. Like, like we we usually say that shit about y'all. I never heard y'all say that. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? He came right out with it. I was like, I can't argue. You know, when, when Yaku created us, we, you know what I mean? <laughs> 
I mean, hey. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 hey, listen, okay. You know, we, we be editing shit out, too. You know? <laughs> okay, cool. I feel for, it. All right. for comfort. Okay. But, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's 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 nice out, you know what I mean? I poke my head out. I haven't gone out yet, but I like poke my head out the window, you know, as is as is our custom, you know, yell at some people outside the uh the window and shit. But yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's been chill. Um yeah, it's over here good, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. So we're good. Right. <laughs> Could you what uh what part of the city are you in? Germantown. So I'm actually not too far from Wayne Junction. Um yeah, right off of right off of Germantown and Wayne. Um, I mean, right off of Germantown or Wayne on Logan Street. Yeah, literally. Okay. No one. Yep. Where are you? Are you from Philly? I am. Born and raised in Philadelphia. Was born, raised in Germantown. Um, but I've lived in Germantown, West Philly, North Philly, and uh, West Oak Lane. Yeah. Okay. So like I live a little bit, you know, a little bit over. Oh, and Chestnut Hill. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of trees. You know, right? Too many people in your business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, um, I love yeah. Germantown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Germantown is a really good place to um, live. Um, everything's kind of like in good walking distance. Yeah, yeah. Um, really good walking distance. But the only thing about Germantown is the streets are small and people can't drive, so you're always constantly like. You know, ducking and dodging. Oh, you know. <laughs> in, in, in constant peril. Well, you know, it's it's old part of the city. It's like North and South Philly, where like it's the the roadways, like the back streets are super tight because yep. they were they were made for horses to go there. I know that yeah. go there. Right. Shit is not good. Yeah, there's definitely still parts of uh, Germantown and uh, Chestnut Hill that kind of remind me of like. Declaration of Independence type era, you know what I oh, mean? Like, it's weird. Definitely, I used to work um right on Germantown um Ave where it turns where it actually um cuts off on to Mount um to Montgomery County, mm-hmm. and there was like a little slave I'm shit not a slave um a horse a little horse stable that was like right across the street, and then you know we it's those like you know those streets that are like you know. They were kind of made for like the trolleys and shit, so they had like yeah, yeah. all the different padding and stuff like that. Yeah. And I swear, like the the like, even though it was a horse stable, I used to just feel like you know, one day at night when the sun when the sun went down, and the moon came up, like some zombie slaves or something like that was gonna come up. <laughs> and I used to just be yeah. like, oh wow, like this is deep. And then sometimes you see like a um a fox or two, and I'm like, yeah, it was wild. Wait, there's a bus yeah. stop down there. You see wild a little bit. But you know what was what always like like freak not freak me out but like was strange to me was that there's German towns in different places like it's not just like for me I always thought like oh German towns like a Philly thing Philly yeah, yeah. And, there's one in Mississippi and everything yeah and I and someone was like oh no it's because like German people live there so like they're like it was an enclave of German people who lived in the area that's why it was called German town I was like. I don't know, man. Like, that was literally Philadelphia. That's yeah. how I always learned it. So, yep, there was like yeah. German settlers, and I was like, oh, Germantown, cool, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it makes perfect sense, like Chinatown, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Town. I just, I don't know, like, I just always disassociated it be, just because I always know Germantown one way. Like, you know what right. I mean? 
Right. And that's kind of how I was when I was younger. Because, yeah, because when I was younger, you know, Germantown was predominantly black for me. Like, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then what happened was I actually moved away from Germantown. Well, not from Germantown, but um, closer to Mount Erie. I used to live in Germantown. Anybody know where the Red Crib is? Red yeah, crib. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I live right there on Duval Street. I used to live right there on Duval Street, um, Germantown, Duval. So um, over that part was, it was, you know, always predominantly black as far as I remembered it. So then when I moved, I moved away at maybe around 10, 11, came back when I was around 13, 14. And it was like, you know, gentrified. And there was white people. And I was like, this is really interesting. Oh, wow. Um, because you know, growing up, you couldn't have told me there was a German person ever settling in Germany. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was all <laughs> and you know, being young and being in like the Philadelphia school system, you couldn't fathom there was a world outside of like black people. <laughs> it was like, you know what I'm saying? So Philadelphia for me was always like, oh yeah, Philadelphia is all black. So when you actually start to get older, you actually start to kind of like see neighborhood different neighborhoods and you're like wow this is still philadelphia you're like oh this is interesting yeah like, oh yeah. wow deep. <laughs> this is it. it shocks me not shocks me it um it's kind of like a pleasant surprise when i uh go to my mom's neighborhood i grew up in west oak lane and it's it's like a pleasant surprise how black west oak lane still is yes you know what i mean demographically yeah, like the area uh, I grew up um, right off of 68th Ave near Broad Street, and the the demographic around there is the same. Like I I, I don't go around there and see like white hipsters walking around. Like you go to certain places of Southwest, and you see like punks and hipsters like everywhere. You know what I mean? In Southwest Philly, yeah, that's not the case uh, in West Oak Lane, and it's it's interesting. I don't know. If it's like a home home ownership thing, or like an economic thing, but that demographic hasn't really changed as far as I can see. I think part of it is uh, um, an access to center city type of like access to center city thing. Like with, like further out in West Oak Lane, it's harder to get up. You know, it's not, it's not it's a long ride down there on the train. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Because like. I thought about that too, like, because um, I'll go around, um, like, Noteway, like, I, where I used to hang out as a kid down Hunter Park, and, like, it's still Hunter Park, like, it, it changed, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And part of it's just because it's still just a little further up, mm -hmm. there, like, on you go downtown. Yeah, no, that's actually true. Um, I work for a neighborhood CDC, and actually, like, what a lot of developers do is they um, build near um, public transportation that's actually very easy to get downtown. Yeah. So that's why actually my part of Germantown, um, I'm southwest Germantown. And southwest Germantown is next to East Falls and Maniac and all that. And, like, you know, the highways. So it's literally, it is. It's easy access downtown by highway or um, to other white parts of Philly, like um, Maniog and East Falls. Yeah, exactly. Um, and hot spots in Philly. So rent is usually cheaper over in this part of Germantown, whereas though East Germantown, which is going closer to West Oak Lane, um, is like, you know, it's way more black over in that side of Germantown um, going towards West Oak Lane. Um, and that that is, that's what it is. It's, it's really, honestly, um, we're the nearest and hottest tourists in white parts of the I mean, parts of the city are um, are usually the most that are like you know stacked with affluence and um, really super affluent projects and developments. 
Um, Because I see it all the time. And again, like the transportation part, SEPTA specifically has a really, really big part in that. Um, Where people want to build and, you know, which buses, like they look at which buses take you directly somewhere and which buses, you know, you might have to get um, connected routes and routes to. So, yeah. Yeah. So this stuff is is really intentional. That's fascinating. Yeah. Very intentional. Like people think like the color line is just, you know, a crayon on a construction paper, but it's actually a real thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. It it surprises me um sometimes going into areas of the city that maybe I used to hang with as a youngin and you see it like completely changed. Like yeah. uh Meek, I, I can't think of where uh down north Meek had, uh posted a shot of him uh just like hanging out i think they were shooting a video down like burks or whatever and people were somebody in the comments he posted on instagram and somebody in the comments was like yeah my my bro meek he's still in the trenches and meek replied and he was like nah bro this whole area is gentrified (laughs) right (laughs) which if you're not from philly you know how would you know you know yeah no Mm mm-hmm you know, I mean, like, John, you know where we used to go, like, we, you know, I would hang we'd hang out at uh, Ridge and Master, and that was, yeah. you know, that was the hood when I was down. You know, we would go down there at, at Tadpole Hole, stuff like that. Like, that was the hood. Um, mm-hmm. None of the houses are down there no more. They tore them all down. Right. Um, like, you know, that, that bar is closed. That whole area is complete. I mean, they're building a, the PHA, a P, uh, the, the Housing Authority hub right there. Like, they exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, where they're out. Yeah, they're in Jefferson. They're literally out there, yep. Yeah, it yeah. was, uh, it was just like islands, like empty islands with nothing on them. I'm assuming houses at one point, but mm-hmm. they were like, remember since I was down there, it was just empty islands essentially. But like, they just, they built all that up. Now it's all yeah, absolutely. There's no space around there that isn't necessarily white anymore. I, um, I had a situation with a customer one time. I just had like a belligerent customer and it's, you know me, I don't argue with customers. Like I'm just the person to be like, either you want me to change it or you just want to leave because we're not going to have a screaming match and you're not going to keep yelling. Yeah. Like, you know, period. Um, so um, that's what they usually did. They left or they got the shit changed. Like, that's just it. Um, so this one guy, he leaves. And then so a few days later, apparently he must have made a review on the website. So I usually had music playing um, because that's how I got through my shifts working with white people in the suburbs. Um, <laughs> like that's just how I got through my shifts by playing my music. Um, so I never had on anything like super like explicit like rap music because I know they weren't ready for that in there. So I usually had on like a small like R&B playlist, um, maybe some like black pop hits or whatever. Um, and it could range anywhere from 60s music to anything from like today. Um, and I remember he said that I was blasting my music like it was um, Raw and Susquehanna. I mean, no, he said, yeah, Raw and Susquehanna, or like Susquehanna and Diamond. And, and I'm in my head like, this man must be so far removed from Philadelphia. He must have just been visiting after years because I couldn't have even imagine like him, like he was trying to, you know, he was trying to paint the picture of like it was ghetto, like you know what I'm saying? Like, right, he was trying to paint it like it was ghetto, and I'm like, yeah, like that's far from what it was, and also, Broad and Susquehanna is also far from what you're still trying to portray now, like, so I'm <laughs> what conversation you're having, like, you know, 
Um, and you know, it just, yeah. So like even that in itself, like that kind of just makes me like think about that moment because I'm like, yeah, none of that space down there feels, it doesn't feel natural to me anymore. Like I don't go on Temple's campus or go past Temple's campus um, and even feel like I can relate to when I used to like run those rounds maybe like six years ago. Like even six years since six years, shit, um, six years ago, um, like things are really different. Like they've built way different more, way different developments since then. Um, you know, there's a, yeah, I mean, what the hell? Like, it's just always different. It's always rapidly changing, especially like Temple Town or any other like college campus um, and have it in a neighborhood in Philadelphia. Well, no, like, that, was, that was where the summer leagues were. Yeah. You go down there yeah. and watch the summer league. Like, it was right at 15 for Susquehanna. Mm hmm. And yeah. like, that's all gone. Like, that whole, you know, that whole area is like just like cut off area for Temple kids. Right. Mm hmm. That's that's part of the uh, thing that frustrates me so much about gentrification. Obviously, the displacement. It's, it, this is tied to displacement too. What I'm thinking, but uh, the cultural displacement that that takes place because it's not like you know. It's I, I feel like you said what? It's erasure. Absolutely erasure. You know what I mean? I I feel like we grew up in like colorful like robust neighborhoods like cultural neighborhoods and when areas get gentrified they they really just like paint over everything and they put the same shit (laughs) you know what i mean the same shit that's in whatever neighborhood over you don't get like a summer league you know summertime used to go outside and like see people hooping you know what i mean you you get like like uh it's a cliche, but like yoga places or like places that sell like dog treats and stuff. And it, it really like flattens out the cultural space of neighborhoods. It's, that's the thing that like, you know what I mean? It, it like agitates me to think of. Yeah. yeah, you lose you lose what made the place special. Now it's just like every other hipster neighborhood anywhere else. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's like even you think about how many people walk like past certain areas and certain neighborhoods and don't know how much like history was there. Like, you know, like yeah. even on like Broad and Susquehanna, like um, like the Uptown Theater, people don't realize like how monumental the Uptown Theater was right. for like even people older than all of us, like on this yeah. conversation right now. Um, and how much, you know, how much popularity that area was for black people. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, Leave it up to today, and you actually see what's going on around there. You would never imagine. You wouldn't imagine. You would never yeah. even think of it if you didn't have like the knowledge or the context of it. Then yeah, it, it doesn't exactly. even matter to you. No, exactly. I, I had a friend. Uh, she lives. Uh, she lives in Atlanta, and I was telling her like she was discussing like buying a house down there and stuff like that. And I was telling her like I don't think I'll be able to live in Philly in another ten unless something like drastically changed. I don't know if I'll be able to live in Philly before it. I mean, and that that was like maybe three years ago, and it got it came way quicker than I thought. Like, yeah, yeah, you know that that jump in pricing already is like yeah, yeah. that's super true. I knew it was time for uh, my partner and I to get out of West Philly when they had they they uh, rehabbed like an old factory or something around the corner from our crib. We lived at fiftieth uh, and Pentridge. 
years. And they took this factory that for as long as I've lived in West Philly, nobody was doing anything with it. And they turned it into like luxury apartments. Yes. And they were charging like, like yeah, mm-hmm. 1400 bucks for a studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yep. man, we, we got to get priced out of these neighbor out of this neighborhood. And months after, uh, that luxury apartment space went up. Our landlord told us that he was selling our the house that we were renting. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it 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 follows in the same uh the same pattern. But dog, I, mean, I moved out on my own to a you remember my spot, my first apartment was a was it a studio essentially? I was paying three hundred and twenty five dollars and utilities were included. Like, you know what I mean? Now granted insane. my neighbor was a legit like smoking crack in the apartment next to me. Like you could smell it when you walk in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little child. Oh, no. But like you know, hey, it was three twenty five with utilities, man. Like three hundred dollars, you could smoke whatever. You could smoke moon rocks <laughs> next to me, K2 and we gonna we gonna make it work for real. For yeah. real. He was clean, like you know, he didn't leave. He wasn't real dirty or nothing, like you know, we had no bugs or nothing like that, you know. Right. He was just like, little, you know, little little rocks. Yeah, okay. yeah. He what? gotta have his coffee. I feel it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm off for all time to be listening. I was on a scepter one time. I was on my way to work. Literally, I don't know what happened, but I kept hearing like the sniffling. I, we was on the back row of the bus. I'm on one side of the window. The guys on the other side. I look over. And he has the bag, and he's, like, tapping it in his, like, nose and stuff. And what did I do? I turned back over and minded my business because it didn't have nothing to do with me. Exactly. <laughs> like, right. like, go off. Like, listen, you got your drugs, and I got mine. Exactly. <laughs> go exactly. off. I got my Wawa coffee this morning. So, like, you know, I got For real. I'm like, listen. <laughs> I have coffee, you have coke. Go, who's snap, go snap. I don't know who, who cares. Everybody got to get their day started somehow. You know what I mean? For real. I'm like, listen, I get it. A rough day. <laughs> um, Rashid, could you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and, and the work that you do? You know, Josh and I, we know you from your IG page. It's, you know, it's like a visual blog, really, is, is, is yeah. like how you do it. Could you just, like, walk us through how you got to where you are now and, and really what, you know, let folks listen and know what you do? Um, so you mean, like, as far as, like, the actual blog itself or just in general, like, overall, like, how I got here? Like, you know, like, the whole story. <laughs> I, want, I want A and B as much as you want yeah, to give us. Like, like, okay, cool. Um... Well, you know, again, I grew up in Philadelphia. Like, Philadelphia is, of course, no... I mean, it's not the worst place to raise a child, but it's not always the best place to raise a child. Um, I mean, I wouldn't take it back. Um, and, you know, growing up, you know, an underprivileged, like, black child, you just... I didn't get to experience certain things, including, like, parents. So, like, I didn't have my mom or my father. I had my grandmother. My grandmother raised me. So, um, you know, living with a grandmother who's also taking care of my other brother and not receiving much help, you know, we went through some things. So sometimes we didn't have light. Sometimes we didn't have water. Sometimes we didn't have electric, you know. Um, Sometimes we was hungry. We weren't always hungry, but sometimes we were. Um, So I think that specifically always just kind of, you know, always... I don't know, for some people, you know, you could grow up, like, resenting that. So you can grow up making, like, you know, not the best decisions. Um, 
but ultimately it's all about survival. So for me, survival was making sure I did good in school um, and making sure I was able to get jobs by a certain age to make sure I was able to provide for myself and those around me. Um, and, you know, surviving for some people could be drug dealing. That was surviving for my brothers. That was surviving for my parents. So, like, I mean, you know, it's all circumstance. Go off. Um, and what happened, I think, what kind of sparked my whole, I guess you could say, like, life's a philosophy about, like, helping people. Because all of my jobs I've had have been somehow, like, touching and reaching and kind of just, like, making sure that people are good and have the resources they need to kind of, like, you know, aid them. Um, was my brother had gotten trouble one time. We're a year apart. His name's Rashan. My name's Rashid. Um, he's my older brother. My year, yeah, my year older brother. And he got in trouble one time, and they had um, the judge had sentenced him to do community service. And what happened was my aunt, who we also lived with, and I mean, um, along with my grandmother, um, had told me to go with him so he didn't have to go alone. And, you know, the whole time I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, is this woman, like, you know, lost her mind? Like, I didn't do shit, girl. Like, what the hell? You waking me up on a Saturday morning for to go, you know, do some shit at a homeless shelter. Um, and, you know, I got there and I don't know, it just was probably like maybe one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had to this day. Um, and I think it was probably because as a child specifically, you don't really see homeless people as human. So you see them as just like people who you see, but you kind of disregard them. So actually having to take the time to actually inter not only just serve these people, but interact with these people and like actually hear some of their stories and just overall, even if we're not talking about their stories, actually just hearing them and hearing how they interact and how eloquently they can interact with you and how pleasant these people are, you're like, oh wow, like these are people and like this is also helping them. Like, you know, and somewhere where those enter, you know, when where those connect, there's like some type of joy that that brings. Um, so yeah, I think from there, I've always kind of just been, I've kind of had like this neck to help people. Um, and then it also just doesn't help that I had like, you know, the grandmother matriarch in my life who just would help anybody, you know, who like gives her last $200 to like pay somebody else's bills or something like that. Um, but you know, when she doesn't have much. Um, so like between that, um, between those two things, yeah. Um, and so for high school, I ended up going to um, Parkway Northwest. You know, there's like 110 different parkways around Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I went to Northwest, which was located in the um, southwest, um, southwest Germantown area, um, slash Mount area, slash Chestnut Hill. Um and that was actually a peace and social justice centered high school. So we had to do a lot of community service hours. We had to do 120 service hours before we graduated on okay. um, the full four years. And I thrived in it. I really did. And I think I did anything I could to like receive service hours. Um, and I ended up stumbling across this program that was actually housed on Temple's campus. And what it did was a lot of self a lot of self-work and like self-identity um, exploration with high school students. And it kind of like taught them a lot about themselves and gave them tools to essentially be like, you know, um, community to like, you know, do a lot of community engagement and be like politicized and understand certain concepts and media agenda. I mean, agenda setting in the media. Um, and that all kind of just like gave me tools and fuel to like, you know, expand, 
you know, expand my voice because it kind of like, I've always been loud. I've always been, you know, boisterous, but um, I always feel like it doesn't mean anything if you don't have anything to offer, if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, and I, you know, and after high school, I, after high school and get, doing a little bit more studying in college on my own and then doing some more organizing um, in college, um, whether it be on campus or off campus, I kind of, you know, just, yeah, I kind of just, you know, have just learned to kind of just not necessarily, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I've kind of just learned to, you know, speak up um, and not kind of make it a spectacle because a lot of people like speak up, but like want to also make things spectacle sometimes. Um, Mm. Like, I don't know, like, yeah, like, you know, those rap, so those rap videos that they do but there's like a message. So what they do is they like when the person is supposed to get shot, they stop it. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. the person starts rapping. Like I hate Everybody those things freezes. so much. <laughs> yeah. I hate them so much. Like they're the most annoying fucking things in the world. And I'm like, wow, this is like a spectacle. Like it, it you know, sensationalism and it like annoys the like hell out of me. Um, so yeah, I learned to speak up and I learned when to speak up and how to speak up. Um, and I've learned that, you know, it's okay. Like I'm human and I make mistakes as well. Um, and you're growing every day. So that's kind of like what just got me here. Um, that's kind of what got me to this point, like overall, just like who I am as a person and how I go about things. But for the blog itself, that page was actually a different page that I had been using the account for. It was a different project that had ended like a few years ago and I still had the page. So I was like, what can I use this page for? And I was like, I know I could just look up some things that are going on in Philadelphia and, you know, just post them, right? You know, just some things that are going on in Philadelphia that black people might be interested in. Um, And yeah, like kind of help them to use these tools to educate themselves and like make these things easily accessible. Because what I get a lot is that people there's a lot of ableism when it comes to like opinions um, and elitism because a lot of people will be like, Oh, people don't read and things like that. But I'm also like, yeah, but they don't get those resources to know as well. Like, and I'm not going to say that some people definitely aren't grown enough and haven't been in those spaces where they could learn because they could have, but everybody does not have that, you know? Mm -hmm. So like everybody isn't in college. So everybody doesn't know, you know, um, wouldn't know about a book on fat phobia. Like, you know, they'd be like, what the fuck is that? Like, you know, (laughs) like, um, and it's weird because I mean, I empathize with those people because I was once that person. Like, again, I grew up in Philadelphia. Like Philadelphia isn't the friendliest place in the world. It really isn't. Um, so like, I get it. Um, (laughs) like, you know, I don't know, like, I'm a realist, so I just yeah. be feeling like sometimes people have this high expectation because they're already there themselves. And everybody is not on the same level is essentially what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So if I want to be able to tell people, well, this is what you should be looking into and this is how you should think, you also have to bring some resources with that. Like, do you not? You have to bring evidence and you have to bring receipts with that. People aren't going to believe your claims if they're not supported. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially what Freedom Join is. It's like, you know, this like little hub where... 
you're able to put out information so that people understand it and can also on their own time go engage with these texts and these, you know, readings and these um, movies and documentaries on their own time. Um, it's really nothing that anybody else can access on their own time. And so like, that's kind of like why when on the page, people kind of come at me and be like, oh, but you have a voice and I'm like, and I feel all of that, but this is still a personal account. And mm -hmm. I'm just doing something. I'm just doing this because I feel like people should know the information. So when I tell you something, I tell you, go read this. Arguing with me has no point because I've already told you to go read this. And because I know you didn't read it in two seconds because I just posted it, there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> like, you know, um, you know, like, and I just don't want people to be like, oh, like, I stand him. And because I'm like, yeah, I'm not stand worthy. Like, I'm going to make mistakes and you guys are going to be very mad at me. So I don't want you to think that you're canceling me because I never put myself in your ticket. Um, oh. like, you know, um, yeah. And I like, that's why I try to be very transparent on the page. If you message me, I will get back to you. So, like, even with, you know, people reach out all the time and I get a lot of messages. Like, yeah. a lot of people want help, a lot of people want direction. I can't answer every DM every day at every hour. I have a life outside of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so most popularly when the page has started to kind of pop and go up more um, would definitely be when we started having the protests back in June. Mm -hmm. Because at that minute, during that week, I actually did take a week off. Um, I was on a leave of absence for about a good week and a half um, because I felt around that time it was very important to be around the clock because sometimes more things are just more important. And for me, like my people are, I'm of service to my people and they have been of service to me. So there's nothing more important than seeing them safe. So if I can get online, if I can just sit there next to a police scanner and listen out and see where, you know what I'm saying, I can guide and direct people, I'm going to do that. Because I can't get out there on my own. I have a, you know, I'm immunocompromised. So I can't necessarily be out there on the ground, but there are things I can do here that'll help people. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of like, you know, I started emphasizing that a little bit more, started doing posts way more regularly. Um, actually, it was honestly, I felt like every 20 minutes I was making a post around that time. Um, I've definitely slowed down since then. But um, yeah, and you know, people would just repost and repost and repost. And yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, one day I looked and I had like a thousand followers and the next day I looked and I had like 10,000. I was like, wait, but <laughs> it came from people actually telling me, like even the other day, somebody, somebody one of my, um, my mentor actually said to me, was like, you have 24K followers. And I was like, oh, like, I don't ever look at that. I really just don't. Like, you know, um, yeah, so yeah, it just, it really just blew up out of nowhere and... I'm just happy that I've been able to give back and pour into people like as they pour into me. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, like, like you were saying, I mean, the big thing too is like the information is important whether you have 10 followers or you have 25,000. The information exactly. is still the information and it's important exactly. for it to be out there. Yeah. So, do, you, do you feel like people uh, engage you differently uh, now that your page is more popular than it was back in the day? Or when you, you know, not back in it, but you know, like when you started. Yeah. Um, so that's funny because I don't think that people engage me. The people who I know don't engage with me differently because um, 
they know. Like, I don't, like, there's no real gain from this for me. Like, people, people who are friends with me know that there's no real gain from this. Yeah. And a lot of times, like, people offer me free shit in my DMs all the time. And I have not accepted a free thing. Like, donations, absolutely. Like, this, the work is, like, costly. Like, you know what I'm saying? Supporting me, yeah, it's very costly. Like, it's time-consuming and it's hard. Like, sometimes, like, finding this information, it really is. Yeah. But, like, people just offer me weird and not necessarily weird, but, like, the most outrageous things. Like, somebody, like, offered me, like, a um, 72 or 75-inch TV the other day, and I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, you can hit hard <laughs> again with the free uh, TV. <laughs> um, and what I end up doing is I end up sending those people to people who I know need things. Resources, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I like kind of serve as like a help desk, if you may, um, like a community help, like a city help desk, if you may. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's a family out there that could use that. Like, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. The only people who I feel have engaged with me differently have probably been people who I've gone to college with. Um, because for the first few years of college, I wasn't social at all. And what happened was I created an organization on college my last two years, um, my last year of undergrad, my first year of um, my actually first and only year of master school, I mean, graduate school, um, I had created an organization on campus, so I became a little bit more social. So, of course, in any, in any space that you occupy, when there is a conflict of political views and things like that, people don't necessarily vibe with each other, and that's okay. Right. Um, but people think I forgot they didn't vibe with me in college when I got that platform. <laughs> um, and I was like, no, I still don't like you. And that's cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's cool. If you have something beneficial to the community, absolutely. But a lot of the stuff is self-serving that they send me. So I'm like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> so I think when people know, when people know that it can be a gain to them, they engage with me a little differently and I can always smell that. Um, and see that with no problem. But for the most part, um, it's actually been very affirming, to be honest. Like, a lot of people, there are a lot of assholes online. There are a lot of dickheads online. There are a lot of corny asshole people online. But there are a hundred times more people who are sweet and are nice and genuine. There really are. Um, Yeah. And I think my interaction on the page has been way more positive than negative. Um, And I do want to just say that. So, yeah. no, I just think college people are just Joe. Um, yeah, Joe. <laughs> people you went to college with are Joe, uh, you know, Joe, so no. Um, yeah, not really. <laughs> I was, yeah, I'm, I'm always curious about, um, I, I spend a lot of time on social media and online, like, you know, all of us do, or most of us do at this point. But that, 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 that's always uh, curious to me, how people engage with each other and if people are coming with kindness and, and or you know genuine curiosity or empathy and all of that, I feel like a lot of times it's not the case. So it's cool to hear that people outside of like the Joe people, people are generally yep. kind with you as you're doing this work. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I even um again I don't just accept. So like even with the whole donations thing, I don't just accept donations like that. So usually when people send me donations, I actually have like a little um I actually have like a thing that I, I'm kinda like saving to where I um actually send all that money to like different organizations and stuff and people who need it. Mm-hmm. So um 
if I've asked somebody for something before, so if I've asked a community request, so like even for my mother's funeral, I couldn't necessarily afford the funeral because it happened suddenly. Yeah. Um, so even with that, I asked people. So I had a good amount, you know, um, you know, it over a few days, um, I got a good amount of um, money to like afford it. I put my own money with it. And then um, I was able to afford it. And after I paid for it, um, I let everybody know. But some people still went back and still was giving me money. And, you know, I can't not, you know, I could send it back, but I'm like, you know, cool. They're sending it to me. So what I usually do is I save that for people who I see are also in need. And then I send them money. So there was one person who I think needed um, some housing. And she's actually a really, really big um, voice in the community as well. And she needed some housing help. And I think I had about a good, like, maybe five or $600 left or something like that. Um, and I sent her that because I didn't need it. Like, they sent it to me and I didn't need it. My yeah. purpose was served for the money. Um, and, you know, she was very grateful and she was very, like, happy about it. And I was happy to give it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So even with that, it's like, I'm not just getting this and just like spending to get on my own personal gain and need. Yeah, um, right. Everything is to help somebody. Honestly, it really just is. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. that is, yeah. Service and, and helping. Yeah. Word. Um, we, we, we can uh, start wrapping up uh, here, but if you could tell us um, maybe where, where everybody could find you uh, but also speak a little bit to, you know, any like future things that you have going on or anything that's significant that you think folks listening should know about. Okay, cool. Um, well, you can find me on Twitter also at freedom join. Um, do not try to find me on Facebook cause I would deny you. <laughs> and that's freedom with a PH. Yes. Freedom with Philly PH, style. So it's freedom with exactly. a PH. Mm-hmm. So freedom with a ph and join. Um, that's on both Twitter and on Instagram. Um, you can also find I have a podcast of my own. Um, I do it with my sibling. However, they're pregnant right now, um, and mm-hmm. they're coming up with their ending stages. So it'll be a good maybe month or two. But um, the girls' room will definitely be coming back in about a good maybe month or two. So be on the lookout for that. And um, yeah, honestly, just keep keep tabs on the Freedom Joint Instagram. I definitely post more um, project-based stuff on there. So just be on the lookout on there. And yeah, we're good. Okay. Rashid, thank you so much for joining yes, us. Thank you so much. No, thank you. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. This was a really good, um, yeah, it was really comfortable. You guys are really good. What do explorers, an army officer, and a Minnesota insurance salesman have in common? They all wanted to be the first to reach the North Pole, but only one of them made it. I'm Kat Long, science editor at Mental Floss and host of the new podcast, The Quest for the North Pole, which dives into the centuries-long race to explore the Arctic, find the Northwest Passage, and conquer the top of the world. With a cast of daring adventurers and some pretty determined amateurs, The Race to the Pole reveals the human desire to solve mysteries of geography and the soul. We'll look at the important Arctic expeditions that filled the blank spaces on the map and recognize how indigenous people made them successful. We'll examine what pushed explorers to venture ever farther into the unknown and uncharted and how the climate crisis is changing the Arctic today. Listen to The Quest for the North Pole every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Boom, right back in effect. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we got some uh, new music to chat about this week. I, I'm, I'm fucking with this uh, Boldy James and Jay Versace Versace tape joint. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this joint is fire, yo. Yeah, Boldy James is like, we talk about people who not missing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like He just released a project like a month ago. I was going to say, <laughs> has he put out like three this year? Yeah, I think so. You know what I'm saying? And like none of these shits are, you know, he's like holding his weight on all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He bringing fire on all of them. Um, yeah. The beats are like really lush and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I love uh I love his flow over these type of beats. Right. Right. He he gives me I don't want to compare him to somebody else. His his vocal tone sometimes give me gives me Gibbs. But yeah. I like Yeah, I can see that. I like that he's more uh economic with his words. Sometimes mm-hmm. Gibbs is wordy for me and it, he like be cramming syllables in. Yeah. This dude is like floating on these beats. Yeah, you know what he's I mean? like he's essentially like a he's like a drill, right? So it's like it's pretty straightforward. Like he's not like so like he's not all over the place. He's straightforward, but he's giving he's like going straight in. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and I fuck with Jay Versace heavy. I yeah. love that Jay Versace really made the uh, the jump from like he was known for vines and like being like a meme yeah. person. You know what I mean? And then he started uh, really, like, making beats and putting his beats out there. And since then, he's worked with, like, West Side Gun. He got this joint with Boldy James. He's really, it's really crazy um, that he's kind of made that uh, career pivot from being, like, a meme person to being, a you know, revealing his talents and yes. making beats. But it's cool because... Um, I feel like that's that's a lane for young creative people nowadays. Guap Dad did the same thing. Like Guap yeah. Dad, Guap Dad was a whole meme for a long time, and he that's what he was known for. And then he was like, "Oh, but wait, I can rap my ass off." There's more, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's I feel like it's a way for young people to kind of get in and get attention. You know, you're gonna have some people who aren't as talented try to exploit the same mm. uh you know the same formula or whatever but jay versace is doing it in like a real dope way and like you said his music the music that he makes is fucking beautiful yeah at the end of the day the art will be the the final word like you know what i mean if you make quality shit however you got on is how you got on but if you're making quality shit that's what matters right absolutely um also this week, uh, Young's Teflon uh, dropped like a essentially like a double single, like mm-hmm. a maxi single, um, like a, like back in the day. Um, 
but uh, it's just called Double Dose. But Double Dose is the first track. Then there's a song called Alpo on there. Oh shit! Um, and besides the fact that he took a shot at Arsenal on Alpo, <laughs> um, did you, did you uh, throw the tape out the window? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started. I broke. You know, I broke the CD and I started breaking up like tree on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, nah, uh, I mean, besides the fact that he took a shot at my beloved boyhood club, Arsenal, um, <laughs> he, uh, uh, it's, I mean, it's dope. It's real hot. Um, uh, Double Dose is really, really hot. Uh, and, uh, I believe, um, the Poor House, which like S. West, who we talked about last week, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, they did a production on the first joint, Double Dose, I know for sure. Um, the other song Alpo, I'm not sure about. It's not. There's no credit for it, right? Um, but both beats are really dope. Um, both songs are like stellar. I'm really excited. Call of Duty Three, um, for Young Teflon is supposed to be dropping soon, mm. and like I'm really excited about it. Between this double joint and then the joint Hustlers Don't Die Part Five that he dropped a couple weeks ago, like I, I got a good feeling that. Young's Teflon's new record is going to be in my top five again for the year. Nice. So um, I'd say both. Check both of those projects out. Baldy James joint Versace tape, amazing. Yeah. Young's Teflon, uh, like the maxi single, like Double Dose. That joint is stellar, man. Good, good music this week. You had the Drake joint drop this week as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which means more than likely, I think we're getting the, the new Drake record in the next couple of weeks. I'm with it, yo. Once also. Nas dropped a new single this week with Hit Boy. Yo, that Nas, I ain't even bring, excuse the noise in the background, you know, niggas bike life and shit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yo, that Nas was ultra black. Ultra black, yeah. <sighs> Nas floating on that shit. Yeah, the opposite of Doja Cat, yeah. Yeah. Motherfuckers uh, <laughs> really was tweeting. Y'all got to relax on Twitter. Motherfuckers <laughs> was tweeting, oh, Nas could diss Doja Cat. But he can't say nothing about Talib Kweli. I'm yeah. like, Listen, I love Nas. If you think Nas references is going to be <laughs> up to date where Twitter's is, you're a goofball. Yes, if exactly. that's what you expect, then Nas, come on, man. Nas a pop. You know what I mean? He been out here 30 years wrecking the mic. Nas not keeping up with this goofy Twitter shit that y'all want him to comment on. He threw in the yeah. little Doja Cat shit because that happened, you know, mad long ago. It probably happened when he wrote it. And you know what I mean? Like, like come on. He's like, not yo, doing this shit you know, young niggas is doing where y'all write some shit and reference and a bunch. And drop it the next day, yeah. <laughs> reference a bunch of shit that happened on Twitter that day and then the record is up. Nas not no, doing he, that. He said the last joint was gonna drop like at midnight, and the shit wasn't up on on sites for for hours. Come like, on. yeah, um, yo, this shit. Yeah, I, I don't think Nas is like, yo, I, I'm gonna be up on point with everything that happens every minute of the day. Like, yeah, and Nas don't gotta see nothing about fucking Talib Kweli. Probably even know that nigga. <laughs> like, he knows of him, but he probably don't know Kweli yeah. like that. Like, why he gotta? Come on. Either way, the song is hot. Yes, and Hit Boy did his thing with that joint too. Dog. Yeah, I'm excited. And like you said, Nas is getting murdered. Like he riding that shit. Dog. Yeah. You know, I'm a heavy Nas critic a lot of times, but like this shit is flames. I'm with it. I'm with it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I think that album comes out next week. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get like a advance so we can talk about it on NPR, NPR this yeah. week. Yeah, but um, it's it's crazy because like you know. 
Nas say he putting out a record, I'll always listen to a Nas record. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I'll always, I'll always like give Nas a chance. But I wasn't like, oh man, new Nas. I was like, okay, you know, we're gonna see what it is. This song, I was like, all right, yes, starting to get excited now. Yeah, and you know, Hip Boy makes hits, dog. So like, I'm, I'm hoping like you know we get a good. I don't know, man. I was excited for that Nas Kanye joint, and like that kind of disappointed me. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to get too overexcited, but I, I agree with you. Like if you if Nas is dropping, I'm gonna be like, all right, I'm listening to it. Yeah. Plus, yeah, yeah, he's not focusing. Yeah. He was yeah. T- he was working on five different albums at exactly. The, at the same yeah. Time. <laughs> this nigga Hit yeah. Boy gonna lock in. Yes, exactly. I can feel it. He gonna lock yeah, in and give Nas that shit. I, I could see too where Hit Boy's like, yo, this dude is a legend. Hmm. I looked up to him coming up, like you know what I mean. Like I'm getting to work with this legend. I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna give him everything. Yeah, yeah. So that track, um, it what the the beat wasn't doing too much. You know what I'm saying? It had like a little soul in it. Perfect, mm-hmm. perfect, yeah, it, perfect. Yeah. First thing out the gate. Yes, definitely. Um, I think we can wrap. Uh, yo, uh, don't forget you can check us out. Did we we did a guest spot on the Philly Blunt podcast this week? Where shout out Philly um, Blunt. Yeah, shout out Philly Blunt Blunt crew. Um, also best of Philly. Shout out to them. Um, I think it's up on their site now. If not, it will be up. We did it uh, live with them mm-hmm. um, through a Facebook stream, but they also will be posting it um, to their. Like their podcast page, so check them out. Philly Brunt, Philly Blunt, um, they have great guests every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you can find us on social medias at Serious Rap Shit on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, Indy underscore SRS, I N D I underscore SRS on Twitter and Instagram. You're John Liberator on Twitter and Instagram. Um, uh, that's it. I mean, I'm trying to think of something else off the top. Oh, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, uh, you can rate and review us. We need those rate and reviews. It helps us. If not, tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, we have the Abolish Ice shirts and hoodies on Incense Trap and Yoga. Uh, other than that, yo, we out. Peace. Peace. Serious Rapture is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey y'all, what's up? It's Jess Hilarious, and I'm just making sure y'all know that I got a podcast called Carefully Reckless on the Black Effect Network. I'm going to be telling y'all all my business and telling y'all other people's business too. It ain't no limits to the things I talk about. Y'all know that if y'all know me. From baby mama drama to healthy relationships, from child support to stimulus checks. Look, when you take a step back and you realize that we all go through crazy stuff and we got stories to tell, those situations do not define you. But they do make for a real good conversation. <laughs> In a world where clickbait and cancel culture can tell your story before you do, 
I'm creating the outlet to remind people that we still human crazy and we can all laugh about it. Don't stress over it. Bring your problems to me. I promise I won't judge you, but I might crack a joke or two. Don't be scared. It'll be respectful and messy at the same time. Just make sure you tune in. Listen to Carefully Reckless every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.